2: that it is a good morning, whether I want it or not.
1: Please go away. Let me speak for the love of
3: God. Yes, well, Good Movie Monday to you. I wonder if you're listening to us at the crack of a sparrow's fart or if you've spent the time sleeping in and catching up with us later on. Either way, happy Monday to you. Thanks for listening. This is a brand new show called Good Movie Monday and well, it's from fakeshemp.net, and if you are a subscriber to our previous shows, then thanks for sticking around, and if you're a newcomer, welcome. My name's Glenn Cochran, and let me give you a little bit of a rundown. Every single Monday, a new episode, bright and early, 6am, but, you know, it is a podcast, so you can listen to it whenever you want. We'll be presenting a variety of content from movie news, exclusive interviews, guest hosts, and the usual nerdy cinematic ramblings. I should mention, I've got a new co-host, Keith Schulz who some of you may remember from the Godfather episode of our previous podcast, Franchised. We had so much fun with the guy, we asked him to stick around. He's been living in my laundry ever since. Keith, thanks for doing the washing, mate. It's My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got a planned running time on most episodes of 30 minutes. But because this is our debut, we wanted to sort of run you through the whole gauntlet of content. And we've got some content for you, that's for sure. And so this one is going to run over time without a doubt. So stick around because we have Jarrett from the Odd Podcast coming along to give you the rundown on what's happening across home entertainment. Screen round from up in Sydney are going to hit you up with a regular segment. The chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association, Adam Ross, is going to have a word with you. And of course, I'm going to be speaking to the one and only rock and roll horror icon, Rob Zombie. So, Keith, let's get started. What's news, mate? Well, new
4: James Bond film, Glenn, No Time to Die. You know, I'm a fan. The official runtime has come in. 163 minutes, mate. That's a long time. It's it's long. (laughs) It's it's 10 minutes shy of The Godfather.
3: You know, the thing about this particular James Bond film is it's been nothing but concern for how long now. Like, this has been a very... It's been years
4: It's been getting on for five Since the last film came
3: out I think it's been in production for about three
4: But the turmoil with this but one Yeah, it's like Apocalypse Now and steroids <laughs> um, I Actually, I was listening to an uh, interview With the, one of the writers, Robert Wade yep. One of the writers in inverted mm. commas And um, he was saying that they originally pitched their idea And because the idea was so shocking the, um, the, the producers said yes And then lost their bottle And decided to back away then went with Danny Boyle and then when Danny Ball didn't work out, they've gone back to this guy and his partner and gone, we're going to do this again. So I'm, um, as a fan, I'm kind of nervous as to what the shocker is, yeah. but we're going to find out. But it's almost, it's close to three hours in length. So it's going to be a disaster or something great. You
3: know, I think, I always think personally, it's kind of dramatic to say things like, you know, I'm, I'm scared about this film, but mm. I am concerned about this yeah, one. Absolutely. However, having said that, recently there's been a few little updates here and there to kind of instill a bit more confidence back into it. I think the Billy Eilish song's gone a long yeah. way to sort of renew the confidence, but... Yeah you know what, that runtime thing then just undoes all the good they've been doing in the last few months. Oh, absolutely. You've it's got a- the gender politics going on with it. And <laughs> mm. James Bond is now a wounded animal. Did uh. you read that? <laughs> yeah. It what did. does that even mean? Oh, uh, gosh, I, I shudder to think. Does that mean he's going
4: to be moping around for the entire film? Yeah, Danny will probably pout, you know, a <laughs> few, few, few martinis. <laughs> you will probably be... Going for the Kleenex in the in the Aston Martin. But
3: you know what? Having said that, we're going to be there on opening night.
4: Oh, I'll be there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a given. I'm going to be there. So I'm looking forward to it, obviously, because it's a Bond film. Uh, I hope it's not a repeat of my Die Another Day viewing experience when I was 12. Yeah. I'm still receiving therapy for that one. But, look, hopefully it's great. I'm hoping uh, my expectations were low. Uh, theme song and trailer, mm-hmm. I'm a little more hopeful. I think that there'll be some tasty mezz on send
3: at the very least. Let's <laughs> well, um, hope. Yeah. What about some other Daniel Craig news is that he's returning for Knives Out 2. He is. So he's scored himself another franchise The slide <laughs> yeah.
4: Benoit Blanc.
3: Is he going to promise to quit this one and only come yeah, back that's later? that's right. He's going to He'll probably try and slash his wrist, the dog, and he'll hold <laughs> up production
4: and then he'll fire the director when he doesn't like what they've done.
3: Yeah, well, that'll be interesting it's because you know, power, you know. I wouldn't have pegged that for a franchise. No,
4: absolutely. I mean, I, I I loved knives out. I thought it was great. I love Agatha Christie. He was sensational, but um, I'm surprised they good at seagull. I don't know, did it do that well at the box office. Or was it was a
3: hit. Yeah, it was a hit. Okay, that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, there's some other franchise news going around at the moment. A lot of which is going to be covered later on in a particular segment from Screen Realm. Um. But that's okay because we've got, um, we had the new Batsuit revealed in the new mm. Matthew Reed or Matt Reeves film. Yeah. Is it the, called The Batman?
4: Yeah. Well, I'm supposedly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it doesn't look that promising. No, to me. I thought it was the, the, the petrol station robbery man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know, The Joker didn't look very promising at first, that's too. True. And we can argue that, you know, you and I have an opinion of that film, yeah, but, you know, I'm going to touch on that a bit later on. But, yeah. Look. We'll wait and see what comes up with that one. Mm. Um, I like Patterson. He's he's
4: proved himself to be a great actor.
3: I do too. However, I think the images they've released of him in the bat suit are not that inspiring. I don't think he's he no. that particularly chiseled oh, for the role, you know. 100%.
4: Well, I think I said he looks like he's about to hold up a 7-Eleven. Um, I, I, th- I think it was the um costume test. It wasn't actually a legitimate photo, which I'm surprised they released it. Yeah,
3: well, maybe it was leaked. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But they did release photos of the stuntman, and everyone went gaga over him. Yeah, so well, maybe. we've <laughs> got a new stuntman. Stuntman's
4: got a great feature.
3: Another film that we would never mm. have expected to become a franchise was The Orphan. Do you remember that film? Produced by Leonardo DiCaprio about the... um the? Yeah, it's a bit like a take on The Omen. It was about mm. a little girl that's yeah. been... um, uh, What do you call it? Adopted... And she turns out to be a grown adult that just okay. looks like a little girl. Yeah, okay. Well, they're doing another one. It's a prequel, and it's called Esther. So okay. So this takes this is ten years after that movie got released. That wow. really no one remembers. Yeah. Case in point, you didn't yeah, really know very what vague. about. Yeah. And such a strange thing to that's continue. Really weird. So yeah. anyway, that's coming. Okay. <laughs> Get excited! Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Maybe her,
4: there'll be another one called
3: Greta. <laughs> oh man, look there's there's, <laughs> there's some uh, other other stuff we can talk about. One. Particularly juicy thing But Mm. we'll get to that In a little bit Uh, I want to quickly talk About some things That are coming out At the cinemas this week So if you're thinking Of heading out To the cinemas this is what you've got on offer. Honeyland, which is a new documentary. Mm. Um, it's, again, essentially a portrait of a beekeeper. <laughs> it's a movie about a beekeeper. <laughs> but um, Alex, one of our reviewers at fakechamp.net reviewed it. Here's a quote from him. Honeyland has even more to offer than enge- than an engaging story, simultaneously being gorgeously shot testament to the natural world. So, wow. you know what? It yes. doesn't grab me, but you know, everyone's raving about <laughs> Some it. Some
4: pollen in there, action. Yeah.
3: Now Dark Waters also opens up. This is a new one by Todd Haynes, who directed Far From Heaven and Carol, and one of my favourites, Velvet Goldmine. <laughs> um, stars Mark Ruffalo and a whole lot of others. It's essentially Aaron Brokovich Light. Okay. So it's the true story of how Teflon came undone. It became the new asbestos, essentially. Yeah, Do you remember okay. all that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it gives you the backstory okay. on the, the law case that came against yeah. them. Uh, side note. The Teflon that you use now is safe. Like you (laughs) you don't have to worry; you're not going to die. Yeah, got another film coming out called Downhill, which I saw this one recently. This is actually fantastic. No one would have thought it. It's uh, it's a remake of a film called Force Majeure. I think that's how you pronounce Mm, it. No, but it's essentially a film about a family that go into the Alps for a vacation and an avalanche strikes. The husband does a runner, and suddenly. (laughs) The avalanche never affected anybody, but the wife is suddenly realizing she's yeah. got a husband that's going to just, yeah. just do a mark. ditch him, and uh, it's really good. It's got Will Ferrell and uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Okay, has the the publicity makes it look like it's a screwball comedy, but mm. it's not. It's very deep. It's very heavy. Yeah. Okay. Another film coming out called The Way Back, directed by Kevin O'Connor, who did Warrior and The Accountant, and that's the one with Ben Affleck about an alcoholic or drug addicted basketball coach. I think. Yeah. I haven't seen this one, but that's coming out. So yeah, that's on offer. Citizen K's is a Documentary about Russia's power and President Putin's nineteen years of dominance, and this is right up your <laughs> I'm alley, definitely mate. Definitely
4: gonna check that one. <laughs> Vlad, what a lad!
3: Yeah, <laughs> Vlad the lad. And then last, finally, there's one called The Big Trip. It's just a family film. Doesn't look that great. It's a Russian film that's been dubbed with English voiceover wow. actors. Wow. Uh, Paulie Shore is the main headline of that one. Wow. The big trip, eh? The big. <laughs> <laughs> trip. Dang. Oh man! So yeah. that's about it. We've got more news to talk about in a little while. Um, for now, we're going to throw
5: to Screen Realm. What's good, everybody? My name's Guillermo. I'm the head of ScreenRealm.com, the manager there, lead writer. ScreenRealm.com. In case you haven't heard of it, it's Australia's favorite, most popular, absolute best of all time website to do with all things movie and uh, movies and television. Um, if you haven't heard of it. You're missing out on some great stuff if you love movies and TV. Get on it. It's got reviews, news, trailers, etc. I'm going to be jumping on weekly. um, And it's actually a pleasure to be here, by the way, on Movie Monday's first episode. So thanks to the team for having me. And I'm going to be here weekly talking about the week that was on ScreenRealm.com. First of all, Fake Shamps Glenn, he reviewed The Invisible Man. It's one of the best films of the year so far. Lee Wannell, he absolutely aced it. He directed this film. You may remember him from Saw. He co-created that with James Wan. James Wan, as you know, went off and did The Conjuring films, Aquaman, huge, huge films. He really shows what he's capable of, not only as a director, putting in some slick work, but as a screenwriter. The themes here are, you know, really heavily about domestic abuse and domestic violence, but it's it's done within the framework of a horror thriller, and it's, it's the right way to do this kind of film. Kudos to Universal for deciding that they're going to take a chance instead of That whole dark universe thing that, that just didn't work out. The less said about the mummy, the better. But absolutely, go check that out. Glenn gave it five stars. Check out his complete review. The Invisible Man, by the way, hit Australian cinemas on February 27. So if you're listening to this not long after the first episode of Good Movie Monday dropped, I suggest you go to the cinema and check it out ASAP. The other review that we've had this past week is by John Noonan and he reviewed Guns Akimbo starring Daniel Radcliffe. Now this is a nutty nutty nuts film. Daniel Radcliffe, he wakes up with two guns bolted to his hands. John gave it three out of five calling it a silly but fun time. Not a big release for Guns Akimbo. Only one day it was given. Australia had event screenings on February 28th. So if you're hearing this you missed out. If you were on ScreenRealm.com all the time following ScreenRealm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you would know. You would have known that guns akimbo had its uh one day screenings but nevertheless it will be on dvd blu-ray etc shortly and we suggest you check it out as well there was also some big news developments as well that happened over the week and we cover a lot of news so lucasfilm has put a new star wars feature into development although a lot of them have kind of stalled or there's just been no word on them since this new project hails from director jd dillard who's made two small genre films with fantasy um street film called slate and a small horror film called sweetheart that now that horror film by the way shouldn't be called sweetheart but it should be seen by everyone it's a little monster film of a girl on an island with a creature in the water definitely check that out if you can it's called sweetheart so this director, he's been tasked with a new Star Wars film and he's got screenwriter Matt Owens, who's written for a couple of shows, Luke Cage, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're gonna be tackling a new Star Wars film. There's not much to go on in terms of details, although word is that it's gonna be taking place on the hidden Sith planet of Exegol, which we visited in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Nor is it known whether this will be a theatrical feature or a disney plus movie i drew up a bit of an article as to what's going on in the star wars universe so definitely check out that article it's called new star wars movie in the works what lies ahead for the galaxy and i also give a bit of a summary as to what's going on with some of these projects and whether any of them will actually come to life Sticking with Lucasfilm for a bit, turns out Indiana Jones 5, which has been in the works for years now with Spielberg attached, is no longer going to be directed by Steven Spielberg himself. Variety broke the news, and the report is that Spielberg will be staying on as a hands-on producer, but he wanted to pass along Indy's whip to a new generation to bring their perspective to the story. That's a quote. Now, there's a new director in talks to take the helm, and that is none other than James Mangold, fantastic director of Ford v Ferrari, Logan, uh, Walk the Line, Copland, a number of great films. He may be the guy that's going to direct indie 5, although who knows what's going on at this point. That release date has been pushed back so many times. The current release date has got going on July 9, 2021. So stay tuned on that end, make sure you go to Screen Realm to read that whole article. Like I said, Screen Realm also covers television and one of the news stories that came out recently was that HBO has reclassified the Watchmen series as a limited series. Now that basically means it's not 100% that there's going to be a season 2, but there's still hope that it will continue but it might actually become a anthology series kind of in the vein of True Detective or Fargo. We also had some big trailers come out in the last week. Trailer for Run arrived. The plot follows a wheelchair-bound homeschooled teenager who begins to suspect that her mother, played by Paulson, is keeping a dark secret, if that's even her real mother. It looks like a nail-biter and Paulson looks to be having fun in this kind of role that she's really good at. So check out that trailer if you haven't. Another standout trailer is for an upcoming Australian film called High Ground starring Simon Baker. Now get ready to hear a lot more about this one. The film is set in early Australia. It's inspired by true events and the plot of how a former World War I sniper, Travis, played by Simon Baker, loses control of an operation while posted as a policeman in Northern Australia and an indigenous tribe is massacred. Disgusted as superiors insist on burying the truth, he leaves, only to be forced back 12 years later with his new role as a bounty hunter. He's told he's to hunt down an Aboriginal warrior attacking settlers, and in doing so, he recruits a young mission-raised tracker, who happens to be the only survivor of that massacre. Now, there's some early buzz growing for this film, which looks quite powerful. It's a teaser trailer, make sure you check it out. It's called High Ground. It's sold to Samuel Goldwyn Films in the US for distribution. It's gonna be released in Australia later this year by Madman Films. Next up, we have the trailer that arrived for the new Candyman. That's right, the new Candyman. Now, this isn't a remake, This is quote-unquote a spiritual sequel to the 1992 horror film of the same name, Get out and us filmmaker Jordan Peel, he produces and co-writes this one. It's a new take on the horror legend which tells of a vengeful ghost that has a hook for a hand and slaughters those who summon him by saying his name five times. Yaya Abdul Mateen the second, who you may know from Watchmen, Aquaman, Black Mirror, playing an artist that's exposed to the urban legend of Candyman and decides, hey, I'm gonna dig into that as material for my paintings, which okay. No prizes for guessing how bad of an idea that is. The trailer gives away quite a bit. At this point, it's hard to know how much of that is actual spoiler territory, but it's surprising amount of footage and surprising amount of plot that's actually in a first trailer, but it looks good. I'm looking forward to that. Make sure you check out that trailer. Also... There's a lot going on at Screen Realm, guys. Bloodshot. We have a ticket giveaway happening for Bloodshot. Vin Diesel starring action sci-fi film comes out on March 12th in Australian cinemas everywhere and we've got tickets up for grabs. Make sure you go to screenrealm.com and you hit our win section. We always have giveaways going on. We just recently wrapped up ticket giveaway for The Invisible Man. By the way, again, I'm gonna say that one more time. You should go see that film if you're thinking about it. Even if you're scared, go see it. Be scared with the crowd. We also have the Netflix March release schedule, so get your March schedule and start taking notes. Finally, Screen Realm has a subscription box service, and it's taking Australia by storm. (laughs) Screen Batch. If you haven't heard of it, Screen Batch is a subscription mystery box service for screen lovers. You get movie tickets, you get Blu-rays, you get merch every month delivered to your door. It's amazing. It's great value for money. Screenbatch.com. That's all I'm going to say about that one. You need to do yourself a favor. If you're a movie lover, a true movie lover, and you're in Australia, get to Screenbatch.com. That's it for me, guys. It's been a pleasure to be on the Good Movie Monday podcast, episode one. I'm going to be here weekly, so stay tuned. Join all of us. If you haven't joined Fake Champ, if you haven't joined all things Good Movie Monday, if you haven't joined Screen Realm, Screen Batch. there's plenty of social media accounts that you guys need to be following to stay up to date with all the latest Thank you. I'm out.
6: We interrupt this program to bring you a motivational message from Wes of Scarefest Television.
0: Helen Keller once said, optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. At least that's what I think she said.
2: Welcome to PE Class, I'm your host Jarrett, and I'm inviting you to get physical like Olivia and talk media like Stuart Littlemore. Remember that guy? He hosted Media Watch on the ABC from its very inception in the late 80s right through to the late 90s, and in my heart of hearts, he's the only Media Watch host. Anyway, there's no stretches required and no strains supplied, so please don't pull your groin, as this is not that type of segment. Each week, I'm going to give you a heads up as to what's headed out to home entertainment this week. First up I'm going to discuss Via Vision, and they've got two releases coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. They've got In the Line of Fire which they're calling a special edition release. And look it is a special edition because it does have an audio commentary, deleted scenes and four featurettes. However it is the exact content that was released on the previous Sony uh, Blu-ray release back in 2008. So really it's just a reissue of that prior release even though it's been long out of print. Um, and it's good to see it back in circulation. It's a shame that it doesn't have a new scan because it is starting to look a lot older. Uh, now that we're in such this you know phase of 4K as well as this phase of Blu-ray, the master is pretty rough. Anyway, In the Line of Fire is a fantastic film with Clint Eastwood and John Malkovich. Uh, thoroughly recommended and this is a great opportunity to pick it up in HD Uh, and with the special features as well. Also coming out from ViaVision is The Big Chill on Blu-ray and DVD. Now this has been available for God knows how long on DVD locally. In fact I could tell you probably from 1999-2000 when they did the 15th anniversary DVD release. However this is the first time the film is coming to high definition in Australia. First time it'll be available on Blu-ray which is terrific and it utilizes the same HD master that Criterion used for their release in the US and the UK. Um, It is sans the special features of the Criterion release, although it does contain uh, Delia's scenes and a retrospective documentary from 1999 um, titled A Reunion. Uh, Those features were on the DVD and the Reunion documentary has been upconverted to 1080i, so it's still good to have some of the special feature content there, but in all honesty it's just great to have Lawrence Kasdan's big chill on Blu-ray locally, so that's very exciting now coming out from shock this week we've got brad anderson's the machinist with a terrifyingly skinny uh christian bale it's a fantastic film um possibly in my opinion brad anderson's best film um which is a big call because i really like session nine please go back and listen to uh the fake shemp podcast where we talk about the machinist i think it was uh not the machinist sorry session nine it was rewind and digress i don't know the episode but just just pump that into the google and You'll get the goods. Uh, so that's coming out on Blu ray, and that'll be the first time the film's been released to Blu ray locally uh, and being reissued, obviously, on DVD. It used to be with, I think it was with Transmission or Rialto back in the day and available through Paramount. Anyway, it's back on Blu ray and DVD, which is exciting news. However, it is part of the Cinema Cult range, but it doesn't actually feature any special feature content. So that's a bit of a shame, but not a big deal. Uh, moving on, the other Cinema Cult release from SHOCK this month is Dazed and Confused, the Richard Linklater absolute classic. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. This film has been forever available. Um, It's an odd pick for Cinema Cult to do in all honesty because I think you could probably walk into any cash converters anywhere around Australia and probably find a copy of Dazed and Confused on DVD or Blu-ray. I think Universal have even put it out a bunch of times with different, you know, jackets. They've refreshed it to be part of a certain line. Um, but anyway, it's back out there on Blu-ray and DVD. And one thing that I will say in Cinema Cult's defense, because a lot of people do attack them, is the fact that they do offer great titles at a very budget price. So if you're not interested in special features or the latest 4K scan and you just want the movie on Blu-ray or DVD at a really good price, then Cinema Cult offer that. And every now and again, Cinema Cult will have an international exclusive Um you know sometimes it doesn't go exactly how you would want it in terms of aspect ratio framing for instance April Fool's Day film opens in scope and then moves down to something like 178 to 1 or 185 to 1 and ends up um, cropping out some of the action obviously it was like a broadcast master or something so it was somewhat disappointing but they were first to market with it so look you know I'll give them that Anyway, other titles coming out from shock this week that aren't cinema cult titles include A Night at the Roxbury, which I believe is making its international Blu-ray debut. 100% it has not been released in the United States, I don't think it's been released in the UK, and I don't know if there's any other territory that's had it yet. But uh, Shock are putting that out on Blu-ray and that's going to be exclusive to JB Hi-Fi and it's also being reissued on DVD, so that's exciting. Um, What is Love? It's A Night at the Roxbury on Blu-ray. Also coming out on Blu-ray and DVD from Shock is the Bruce Willis... uh, Who else was in it? Um... Richard Gere, the Jackal, and, and Jack Black in a very early role. I think he's a guns dealer and then gets gunned down by Bruce Willis. Spoiler alert. I saw that one of the movies and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I've never watched it again. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to revisit it. Also coming out on Blu-ray and DVD from Shock is Leaving Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Shue. Steady as a fucking rock! Um, I have a soft spot for Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know if I'll bother picking up this local one. I own it on DVD, but it's a very old release. In fact, I think it was a release from New Vision when it was distributed by Shock. So it's weird. Shock were probably the first to put it out on DVD in Australia back in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, And it's obviously property of Studio Canal these days, part of their library. And now um, Shock have sub-licensed it from them to release it back onto DVD, but on Blu-ray also. Anyway, moving on, um, Umbrella releasing The Haunting on Blu-ray. Now, this is the remake of The Haunting with Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, I think Owen Wilson's in there. Admittedly, again, I have not seen this one since its theatrical release, and I haven't had an opportunity to check out the Umbrella Blu-ray. I believe they're sending a review copy soon, so I'll be able to check that out. Um, I'm under the understanding there is no special feature content on there. I think from memory, the original DVD release that came out through DreamWorks that was distributed through, uh, oh gosh, Paramount probably originally and Universal down the track. Um, and now I think they all, that catalogue sits with Fox maybe. Um, that's a very good question. Anyway. Um, I haven't seen it since then, so I'm keen to revisit it and I'm keen to see what this HD Master looks like. This is also, I believe, the international Blu-ray debut. It certainly is not available in the US or the UK, but who knows, it could be available in Germany because the Germans love Blu-ray. They don't necessarily love super high definition because a lot of the time, sometimes when things get released exclusively in Germany on Blu-ray, there can be up converts from SD Masters, so it's not always, you know, oh Germany's got it on, you know, HD. so why can't we get it sometimes there's some dodgy stuff going afoot Um, but in any case I can't wait to revisit The Haunting on Blu-ray also streeting this week on home entertainment is Disney's Frozen 2 that's coming out in 4k Blu-ray and DVD and Roadshow's 21 Bridges and that's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD anyway that's me and I look forward to talking to you next week all about physical entertainment
3: it's so damn good to have Jarrett's voice back on the microphone. He hasn't gone anywhere. People might be like a bit worried that you're the new Jarrett, but you're not. I could never
4: replace the great man.
3: <laughs> and he'll be sitting in with us on the mic every now and then, so we're looking forward to that. And the voice you heard before Jarrett was Wes Forsyth, the host of Scarefest Television from Kentucky, and uh, imparting his motivational words of wisdom upon us. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some shit movies that we've seen in the last few weeks. Your
4: specialty, Glenn.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? He's not wrong. What have you seen lately that is really shit?
4: What have I seen? Well, look, <clears throat> I reckon the last film that I saw that well, I thought was pretty average was Last Christmas. At the Mate, cinema. what are
3: you talking about? No, nah, it was a
4: turkey. And I no, absolutely loved Last Christmas. It's a turkey you wouldn't eat if it was safety on Christmas Day. <laughs>
3: well, you I, loved it. I said This I, is no surprise to me. Well, consider that it was also the, the film that came after Paul Figg's previous disaster that was Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah.
4: So look the man's just the man's just on a is on a skiing on a downward slope that keeps getting still. I loved
3: it. I thought it was charming. Charming? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's one word for it.
4: (laughs) 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 I liked you know, I like Amelia Clark. She's nice. She's you know, she's got a twinkle in the eye.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, the eggs on your face because director Paul Figg will be on this show to talk about last Christmas uh, in several weeks' time. Paul I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> shall, I, shall I play this grab back to him? Yeah, play it. Just, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah, let's hope it was. Okay, so
3: Last Christmas, that's, that's the turkey you've seen. Yeah. Um, I saw The Irishman. That nah, <laughs> I'm just pushing Keith's button there. Mate,
4: please. <laughs> the Academy, if you're listening to this, you guys are disgraceful. <laughs> Ten nominations, no win.
3: That is, that is a disgrace. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. A- net- you know
4: what it is? It is ageism.
3: And Netflixism. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I saw A Hidden Life, the new Terrence Malick film. Absolute turd. Are you not a fan of terms? I hated this yeah. film. Are oh, you telling me about it? Yeah, if you go to fakeshemp.net, you can read my review. I do justify my my opinion. Mm. Um, yeah, terrible. But uh, Dr. Doolittle outdoes I, it in shitness.
4: I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to see it. I want to see The Great Doctor in action just, just to see if it was as bad as he said it was. And everyone is saying well, it was. Yeah, you,
3: you can take all of our words for it. I don't think <laughs> I've seen one positive thing said about this film.
4: Can I, can I weigh into this, though? Because the ultimate turkey of 2019, or is it, can I maybe come out? The ultimate turkey of the last decade has got to be Cats, which you yourself, I believe,
3: enjoy it. The proof is in the pudding here, mate, because I did enjoy it. And the fact that the Astor are selling out midnight shows yeah. to it, it says everything. It's the new Rocky Horror, mate. Yeah, mate, it's because you had a word in that, guys, here, mate. LAUGHTER <laughs> I don't know what it I mean, is. No, look, I, I think even in my, my <laughs> review I called it a pretty terrible film. Yeah. But it's it's compulsive. Like it's, it's just charming. You cannot look away. It's That's that right. you know, it's that disgusting road accident that you just gotta watch.
4: That's right. <laughs> it's like a Macca's burger that you've left in the fridge. Breakfast in the morning, you take a bite, you hate yourself, but you finish it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, mate. That's right. So anyway, this is where we throw to Adam Ross. Adam is the chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association. Uh, Most weeks he's going to swing by with a few recommendations. So let's check out what Adam has just seen.
0: Hi, right, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen. I wanted to talk to you about The Lodge. The Lodge is a new horror film by director Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. It is their follow-up to Goodnight Mummy, another spooky tale. Now, why I like The Lodge, oh, well, look, I actually love The Lodge, is that it is kind of like fits firmly into that realm of a twenty-four horror. Now, this isn't an a twenty-four horror, but what is that realm? That realm is kind of auteurs. Think of you know things like Hereditary, Midsummer, The Witch. These auteurs mining really dark material, not holding your hand, kind of thinking that you know that you're an old-school genre fan, and they want to spook you. They want to be bleak. They want to be dark. They want to be uncompromising. And the Lodge fits firmly into that realm. Uh, this movie is bleak, right? It is so bleak that I loved it um, because I love bleak movies. I love movies that scar. David Fincher is my favorite director and he said that's why I wanted to make movies to scar people and The Lodge scarred me uh, just because this relatively uh, simple or deceptively simple tale of two kids who were questioning their new stepmother who also survived a doomsday suicide cult. Um, it's just so effective and it kind of plays like a demented Wes Anderson movie in a sense it's got this dollhouse aesthetic and there's a sense of isolation and dread and it just escalates some people might find it repetitive they might find it slow going Uh, look I'll pay those concepts but I just think that the movie is headed to such an interesting place and a place of such duplicity and moral complexity uh, to the tune of me having two or three pints afterwards discussing, you know, about what was right and wrong and what was going on here. And, you know, this kind of concept of the unreliable narrator is stretched breaking point here, really effectively, though. And so, look, for me, The Lodge is the kind of movie that I absolutely love um, because it is, you know, meticulously designed, expertly performed. I think that Riley Keogh here is just, you know, she's the centerpiece, the anchor of this movie and she's doing brilliant, terrifying work and this is gonna be a fantastic calling card for her. So if that sounds like your jam, run and go and check it out because it's only on in a couple of cinemas and it'll probably be in home video and you've probably got a 60 inch and it'll play well. But I loved being absolutely trapped in the cinema in the lodge so highest recommendation from me four stars uh, i could almost hear a five if i go and check it out again but the first initial viewing for me was just super super effective um scared the shit out of me and you know gave us an absolute classic Riley care performance and that's all from me for this week i will catch you next time This week on Scarefest Television, we talk to paranormal investigator Dan Klass. Dan is the owner of the famously haunted Hinsdale House in Hinsdale, New York, and is the host of Within These Walls on the Vidispace pay-per-view network. Join us live this Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time Zone at ScarefestRadio.com or via Facebook and Twitter by following The Scarefest.
3: So, over the past few weeks, we have been having an ongoing debate on social media about which is the better beverage, the coffee or the tea? Tea. (laughs) And we put up a poll on the Good Movie Monday Facebook page. Keith, the the crowd has spoken, mate. Mm. Do Do you want to hear the results? Oh, look, sure. Okay, so, coffee wins 64 to 36%. Granted, we only had fourteen votes. Yeah,
4: <laughs> so fourteen. Uh, hang on. So let let's say let's say about eight misguided votes. <laughs> six, six. I'm gonna go. I'm just assuming six troopers. You have impeccable taste. What well <laughs> I.
3: Well, I look. I'm gonna stick to my guns, mate. Coffee is the uh, the unsung hero here. That's
4: right. You know, what Glenn did. Glenn created bogus Facebook accounts in the morning. <laughs> Got a, got a cup of Earl Grey and then went and voted coffee just to spite me.
3: Yeah, well, look, just for transparency, we're both drinking cups of tea right yeah, now. Yeah, we so. are. <laughs> See, so I
4: say, I, man, I'm telling you.
3: It's the beverage of choice while we record because it's easy on the throat. That's right. Yeah, but, you know, ultimately coffee wakes you up, eh?
4: Coffee is I mean, Coffee is the thing that you have at the end of the day. Tea is what makes
3: the world turn. Not really? <laughs> That's well, right. and and if you want to hear more of our <laughs> coffee talk, the uh, the Facebook page Good Movie Monday, we have a whole debate on this, and we yeah. we pair the ultimate movie with the ultimate beverage. Yeah, it's actually it's and
4: it's helpful user guide.
3: It is it's a very helpful user guide. So check that out. And now we're at the moment everyone's been waiting for. I think this is the reason everyone has come to this podcast. Let's. Let's take a listen to Rob Zombie. This is the guy, rock and roll star, movie director extraordinaire. He's the guy behind The Devil's Rejects, which is a modern-day masterpiece. That was, of course, the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. And he's rounded off that saga with a brand new one called Three From Hell. Now, the context behind this interview is I spoke to him for Stack Magazine. And with Stack and with any kind of magazine article, it's all in print. It's press, you know. You can't get all those juicy morsels, you know. You've got to be narrow. You've got to focus on one thing. So this conversation is a whole lot more than what was in print. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And before we get to that, a little bit of music, mate, because... We have never done music on any of our podcasts before, and we're going to get you in the mood for Mr. Zombie with a little bit of Midnight Rider by the Altman Brothers. Really good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thank you. Alright, let's get started. I'd like to begin with a fairly broad question about this deliciously depraved world that you've created. Sure. Where, where the hell did the Firefly family come from?
6: Well, they all started, truthfully, for my brain and the way I remember portions of my childhood. i got to be honest. Say the character of Otis. I based him loosely... Um, there was this family in, in House of 1000 Corpses Otis is an albino which is sort of a thing that I sort of stopped doing after a while wow. with his character but it started that way and I went to school with this three brothers they were, and they they look like Otis there were three like white haired like, total redneck albinos <laughs> kind of like Johnny Winter and that kind of like inspired that character so it was always stuff like that just You know, I grew up around carnival people and the way they would act and the world they were in. It's just, yeah, it's just taking pieces of my life, piecing it all together and
3: creating new characters. I love that. And you've continued the story so fluently with the new film, especially considering that The Devil's Reject felt so final and poetic in its conclusion. What inspired you to return to the story?
6: Well, I mean, what inspired me to come back to the story is, in a way, in the story. You know, as the years would go on, the characters kept getting more and more and more popular. So they would never go away. They never seemed like, oh, these films I made like 15 years ago or 20 years ago. They always seemed so popular. Like, every time I'd play a concert, there's guys in the crowd dressed like Captain Spaulding. Every time I'd meet a fan, they'd go, check it out, my tattoo. They'd have a tattoo of baby or something. Like The <laughs> characters just would never go away. and They started becoming like weird cult figures. And I thought, well... That's kind of what would have happened to Otis Baby and Spalding in the movie world too. You know, because they're such colorful figures that had they survived, they would have been like, like you know, like Charles Manson and the family. They would be these cult icons. And that's what started me thinking about the, the idea
3: for the movie. It's funny you say that because I've experienced that firsthand when I was uh, at a screening at the Astor a few years ago in Melbourne, uh, where you attended a and a The place was just pulsating with energy.
6: Yeah, it was really weird because I hadn't seen the movie in a long time at that point and we were doing some random screenings. We did the one, that one there and we did one in Paris and a few other places and everywhere we went, it was like that and I didn't even know if people outside of America even knew about the movies truthfully and to be able to basically go to any country and sell out these screenings and have the fans react like that was kind of blew
3: me away. It must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, it's great. And with the ever-changing cinema landscape, is making movies getting harder or is it easier?
6: Uh, I wish I could say it was easier, but it's not. <laughs> it's getting harder. I, I don't know, actually, I don't know if it's getting harder. It's always been hard. So maybe it's exactly the same amount of hard it's always been. It's, you know, just going to a studio or someplace with a crazy idea. And in my case, the ideas are crazy and not exactly like what you that are commercial or mainstream and going, I need you to give me millions and millions of dollars to do this. It's insanity that it ever happened. Like I cannot, sometimes I can't, I'm like, I can't believe someone gave me all this money, but I'm happy to take their money and I'm happy to do
3: it. Do you continue to do it because you love making movies or are you compelled to do it or is it a little bit of both? Well,
6: I, I just love doing it. I mean, I can't stop. It's like I just think of, what happens is my brain never stops, so I think of an idea. I go, God, that would be a fucking cool movie. Let's do it. Like, and it just starts. I just starts. I just, I can't stop. You know, I want to keep doing it as long as there's the opportunity to do it. Because I, I love taking, like, you know, I love, it's the same way with music. You know, you, you think of, you start writing a song, you just have this really basic idea of nothing. And you jump ahead, to. Playing that song in front of a hundred thousand people somewhere, you go, Wow, what a crazy trip, man. And it's the same thing with movies, you know, you start, you start writing page one, and you have this kind of half assed idea for a movie, and then you're at the premiere of the movie, you go, Wow, there it is. It's really a cool process.
3: What's your favorite part of that process? Is it the writing, the shooting, the editing?
6: Uh, all three of those. Anything that's creative, I love. Um, I like writing because I'm left alone. It's just me by myself and I can do whatever I want. Shooting the movie is probably the most fun because you're with everybody and the vision of it all is finally coming to life and seeing the actors in their wardrobe on the set doing the line. And I love editing too because that's really where you just, you know, me and the editor just sit alone and for months and months and months you can really shape the movie and take things that, you know, to a whole nother level you create a whole other movie in editing
3: it's almost like a whole new pass on the script when it gets to the edit stage yeah
6: yeah especially with um you know for me because a lot of what i do it, it, it doesn't come across the script right like and have you seen three from hell yet i have okay so like say the scene where Otis and baby and foxy kill the warden and his family and the one girl running down the street naked and stuff You know, it doesn't say in the script, oh, that's going to be in slow motion and there's a Slim Whitman song playing and it's going to, you know, it doesn't doesn't say that, it's only in my head. So when I can finally put it all together to the right music and cut it together, it's very rewarding because everybody else, even Sherry sometimes, she'll, even though she's in the movie and she's read the script, she'll go, oh, I never pictured
3: it like that. Well, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I want to talk about Sherry next. Her character is particularly extreme in this film. Do you develop the character with her for this film, or do you just write the script specifically for her to interpret? Well,
6: let's see. Good question. I mean, we probably discussed it some in advance of me writing it, but probably not much. And then once it was written, we would talk about it, and and we thought, well, it would be cool if Baby was kind of mentally had gone crazy. So she's sort of all in a different reality from everybody else. That was about all I all I would say. And then, however she did, it went, Sherry would come up with it on her own. Like she did all this crazy stuff that's not in the script. Every time, like she comes come bopping into a room, singing a weird little song, or the way she said things or did things, that's all her. That's all her creating that stuff. That wasn't in the script. You know, she just took the lines and ran with it. She she sometimes she'd tell me she's like, oh, I, I'm gonna think I'm thinking of doing it like this in this voice and doing that. I'm like, great, let's do it. That that was all her creation.
3: Oh, cool. Well, well, that kind of makes sense. I guess she kind of co-owns the character now.
6: Yeah, I mean, and and even with certain scenes, like there'd be a scene, when she kills the guy by the soda machine, it was written completely different. Completely different. And she's like, I don't really want to do this. I don't think it's right. I don't think it fits the character anymore. Let's come up with something new. So the way the scene is in the movie, we just sat down that night figured out the whole scene in like five minutes and shot a completely different scene. We sort of like said the lines back and forth and everybody remembered them. And her and Sean, you know, did the scene and, and, you know, they just, they were both kind of amazing that they pulled, you know, just by talking it out loud, they remembered everything perfectly. And we came up with a totally different scene where, you know, this guy thinks he's going to get laid and she's just like pretending she wants a soda and she's kind of obsessing on the flavors with... Know, we all probably going to kill him and we just sort of riffed that whole thing on the spot and and I really you know it's one of my favorite moments it, it just you know but that's what happens when you have someone who knows their character so much they don't have to like be given lines they
4: they can kind of figure it out on their own mate
3: how cool is rob zombie
4: Oh, he's, he's an absolute lad.
3: He's a gentleman, too. Like, he's really nice to talk to. Of yeah. course, we're going to have the second part of that interview next week, so make sure you come back to listen to that. Now, before we wrap up, there was a bit of news at the start I wanted to get to that uh, wasn't touched upon by Screen Realm. Rick Moranis is out of retirement, mate. He is. Not only out of retirement, for Honey, I Shrunk yeah, the Kids. Yeah, he's back. There is an, this is interesting because this is a, a new sequel. They're calling it a legacy sequel. Wow. This is a new term they're throwing around. I don't like it. No. I get it, but I don't like it. I don't get it and I don't like it. (laughs) It's essentially when they're creating a sequel that's been so many years since the previous that they've kind of got a reboot at the same time. I guess the Vacation movie was a Lego sequel. Yeah, or Mary Poppins. Yep, absolutely. So that's what this is. I don't like the term. They should throw it in the bin. But Rick Moranis, this is not the project I would have thought he'd come out of retirement for. No, And I have a sneaky suspicion he's going to be in the new Ghostbusters and they've just not revealed it. I think it's going to be a little surprise. Yeah. Because why would he come out for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? That's right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what was the last thing he was in? Uh, the last thing he was in, ooh, that's a good question. I think it was the third Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, wow. Um, Tragically, his wife passed away. Yeah. That's why he retired to look after the kids. But he hasn't actually gone anywhere because he's been releasing country albums. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. You can look um, that up. It's I'm hilarious. I'm going to as soon as they're, we're finished. They're not comedy. No, I'm sure they're not. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. And apparently in several interviews, he said that, you know, he's just never come out of retirement because nothing has tickled his fancy. He's not opposed to it. Yeah. And suddenly they throw him Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 4. He was waiting for it. Josh Gad's in this one playing, you know, his son from those previous films has now grown up making the same mistakes all over again. Wow. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Son Becomes the Father.
3: Yes. Anyway, so I just wanted to touch upon that because I don't think any other podcast in the world is really going to be just talking about that one.
4: I don't think so. Rick Moranis, we salute you. <laughs> well
3: well before, done. Before we wrap this baby up, um, should we talk about some recommendations? Every episode Sorry, before we leave, we're going to have some recommendations, just one each, movies that you can watch over the week. Look us up on Facebook and, and talk about them. So, Keith, do you want to get us started? I do. So, my first recommendation
4: for you beautiful people is going to be the 1973 classic, The Day of the Jackal, directed by Fred Zimmerman, who made From Here to Eternity, a nun story, my personal favourite with Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> 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 I think I got that side all right. But, yeah, this is a great film. It's Actually, I think it's a forgotten classic. I don't know how many people watch it. I know it was a remake, I think, in 97 with uh, Bruce Willis, Richard Gere. Absolute trash, don't bother if you have forget about it and watch this instead it's a great film uh edward fox plays a stone-cold bastard killer um just ruthless so he's hired to kill the gaul in, in, by um uh, french dissidents in 1962 i think so just before kennedy fascinating brilliant procedural uh cat and mouse game michael lonsdale plays the copper who's assigned to get him it's got maybe one of the greatest film props in history an incredible Sniper's gun I'm telling you If I could own a prop It would be this bad boy <laughs> And I tell you That Edward Fox Can shoot a watermelon From at least A couple of hundred yards away So People get on it It's a great Rainy day Lazy Saturday afternoon movie it's a Perfect tea film <laughs> Edward, Edward Fox Is brilliant Underrated actor Underrated performance It's great From go to woe So I'd say this is a dead set stone cold classic.
3: Wow, there you go. And you watched that recently, didn't you? I did, yeah. A couple of weeks. All right. Well, I've got what you would call a long black. This movie is uh, my antidote to the Joker because you and I were not huge fans of the Joker. We thought it was
4: quite contrived. I preferred it when it came out in 1976
3: with Robert De Niro. Yeah, exactly. Or even like a couple of years ago when Joaquin Phoenix was actually in You Were Never Really Here. Yes. This film is the film he should have won the Oscar for. There was no mention of it no. at the Oscars, but this is a film you want to get on. It is a very dark Scorsese-esque kind of film. It's almost noir. And he plays pretty much a, a down and out hitman who sort of um, rescues young women from the sex traffic trade. And he rescues one particular girl that her story sends him on a spiral. You know, his mental stability starts to wane. And it's just a really, really claustrophobic, dark, dank kind of film that trumps the Joker. In every sense. I won't go on about it too much, but it's easy to come by on Blu-ray. I'm sure it's on a streaming service, so definitely check out You Were Never Really Here. So that brings us to the end of the episode. And before we go, we've got a giveaway. Eagle Entertainment, they've always supported what we do at uh, fakechamp.net. We love the guys. They've got new releases for us. The first one we're giving away is called Bad Samaritan starring David Tennant, unexpectedly directed by Dean Devlin, who is Roland Emmerich's right-hand man on all those blockbusters like um, The Day After Tomorrow and... uh, What's another one he's done? uh, Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, classics. We've got that one to give away. It has been widely received very, very well. And I think you've got a doozy over there. I've got a tasty morsel
4: of horror. (laughs) And the title is Hell is Where the Home Is, (laughs) with a review on the back of the cover. And let me read it to you. This is, and I quote See it for the highly stylized violence, if nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) If this is your bag, you want to get right on this. That, al-
3: that alone, mate. That alone. Oh,
4: uh, you, look, give me, let me give you the tagline. You can't stop what's coming.
3: <laughs> well, if you want to see this, you need to get in on this action. We've got another one for you as well. Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, which is you know brought to you by Monster Pictures, those awesome guys. Uh, we've got that on Blu-ray to giveaway. So if you want to win these titles, all you've got to do is hit up the social media, hashtag Good Movie Monday. At the end of the week, we'll go searching those hashtags, and we will pluck a winner at random. Um, it's a lucky dip, and if there are no winners, if there are no entrants, it's going to jackpot into the next week. So make sure you get on it. You want these movies. Yeah. Um, You do. Of course you do. But that brings us to the end of the first episode of Good Movie Monday. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was worth the wait. Stick around next week. We've got the second part of the Rob Zombie interview and so much more. Thanks to Screen Realm. Thanks to Adam. Thanks to Jarrett. Thanks to you, Keith. My pleasure. And actually, we're going to sign off with a a Rob Zombie tune. A tasty, tasty tune. Mm -hmm. It's called Never Gonna Stop. I like this one. That's the only reason that I'm playing it. It's a tune. (laughs)
1: Use my body to keep you alive